and welcome to Telling Stories. Today's show might be a little bit short. I'm moving house, as you may have noticed if you've listened to this week's Disney show. And it has curtailed my ambition, as it were. So I'm going to give you a short story, but a very personal story. This is my story of wrestling fandom for me. And wrestling fandom for you might be slightly different. My old editor Darren at Total Wrestling Magazine once gave me a task. A local promotion in Grimsby wanted me to go and review their matches and wanted me to write something for them by request because they asked me, which was a great honour, I must admit. And uh, British Wrestling Revolution are a fantastic company and really do support everything they do in the wrestling industry. Unfortunately, as I live in Brick in rural Lincolnshire and I'm currently a non-driver, at least I was then, I'm kind of a driver now, I couldn't attend their show. It just becomes too costly to go the 25 miles up the road when you don't have a driving license. It's cheaper to go to matches in Sheffield than it is to go to matches in my home county, which sounds ridiculous, but there you go and that's the way of things. So instead, I wrote them this for the website and for the magazine, and I thought you'd like to hear it. This is a very personal story of my relationship with professional wrestling and my relationship with one building, the Memorial Hall in Cleethorpes at BWR, used for their big shows. So this is the story of the Cleethorpes Memorial Hall, the Currican of the East Coast. It's 30 years since I walked into that building. Village, town hall, standard parquet flooring, with courts marked out for badminton, basketball and maybe netball too if I remember rightly. Chairs linked together school hall style and a ring singled out in a spotlight when the matches got started. One of those old thousand watt bulbs hung centrally from the ceiling. My dad, the original wrestling fan of the family, worked at nearby Immingham shunting loads on and off the docks. His Sunday night release was to take me, him and my mum to see the wrestling on a Sunday night whenever joint promotions were in town. This had become a very regular event. My dad started out as a wrestling fan back in the 1950s. Born in Blyton, population of about 400 at the time, just before the outbreak of the Second World War. Lincolnshire is, and was, several small to medium-sized towns 15 miles apart with nothing in between. Motorbikes and cheap cars were the order of the day. Cars were for getting in on a Saturday night and finding something to do. Maybe Kenny Ball would be playing somewhere locally, or any of the other trad jazz gods. And if not, there was always a dance or a fight in Market Raisin, or Caster. No kidding. The dance would usually precede the fight. Occasionally the fight would start in the queue, but it was considered bad form. One should at least have a dance with one's partner before trooping off to join the lads. The lads from Insert Lincolnshire Town Here invariably had some age-old score to settle with the lads from Insert Lincolnshire Town Here. Saturday night was indeed alright for fighting, as Elton John once said, about those very nights of violence, but there were other forms of violence that fostered my father's attention. Pro wrestling in the 50s in the UK was a true working class passion. There was the joint promotion circuit on top, the cartel-like organisation of promoters who ran towns in their territories, usually by county or by region. There was the smaller outlaw indies, and of course the working men's club circuit in the big cities. For someone living in Manchester, where wrestling was especially hot, you could see a good card of action six nights a week, and probably twice on Sundays, all for the price of a bus ticket and a good knowledge of the working men's club scene. In Lincolnshire, the action was a little thinner on the ground. In Scunthorpe, wrestling was occasionally run at the Bath Hall, as it still does. It's an all-star building these days. The Drill Hall in Lincoln was another favourite haunt. You would also go off to Doncaster Town Hall because watch local hero Cyril Knowles and his apparent never-ending scientific feud with Burt Royal. However, the place that he eventually came to rest as a wrestling fan would be the Memorial Hall in Cleethorpe. 
The wrestling was so good in the late 50s, early 60s era, it could support such a wide circuit. There was money about at the end of post-war austerity. There was plenty of good wrestlers in the pre-TV era, and it was incredibly cheap to run before the days of production values and higher expectations. My dad fell into this wrestling groove for the next 10 years, alongside my mother, who loved her wrestling just as much as he did. In that era, it was also an interesting mix of stars. Joint promotions monopoly meant that each area had a stock of local pros that would be used more or less every night. All the dates for the joint wrestlers, the ones who made it to the bigger circuit, would be coordinated out of the office in Bellevue, Manchester. But they wouldn't send people too far out of their home regions in the days before motorways to keep costs down for everyone. Lincolnshire became this netherland of big stars because Scunthorpe was just far enough. Or Lincoln would be just on the radar of certain promoter. The industry was thriving. The industry was thriving even when the older promoters wanted to get out of the business. Joint promotions became consolidated into one wrestling company under the auspices of William Hill, who hired rebel promoter Max Crabtree to oversee the whole thing, from the TV rights to the concession sales. That's roughly the time I came along, or was at least old enough to understand what the hell was going on. After one wild outlaw show at Winterton's Summer Fate with Tony St. Clair in the six-man main event, I was thoroughly primed for the real thing. Those early shows I don't remember much of, which is a shame because my memory misses people like Bret Hart and the Dynamite Kid, who I saw while I was too young to remember. The ones that stick out in my memory now, though, are the three that showed the passing time of the industry. The first was the main event of the card in 1984, Marty Jones challenging Dave Pitt Finley for the World Mid-Heavyweight title. The reason why I remember that fight was because it was so impinged on my brain via television. The pair had had a big feud on TV over the title, which was as heated as it was technically sound. I didn't understand how good it was. I was just scared for my hero and hated the villain, who shouted at us all in the car park as he climbed into his red Ford Cortina, a vision that I can close my eyes and still see. Fit retained the title that night. He would lose it on TV a year later, but it was an early lesson in how powerful TV had become. But this had allowed for full immersion, a story who I could tell again and again to my friends at school, none of whom were wrestling fans. They had indifference in their eyes, but I was hooked. Later in my Cleethorpe's attending career, there would be a main event of Chick Cullen challenging Marty Jones for the mid-heavyweight title. Wrestling was off the TV then. Chick had been a raucous middleweight babyface in the mold of the Dynamite Kid, who'd had a long-term rivalry with Aunt Rocco. So when I saw this filled out a Mohawk version, as was Chick's late 80s heel persona, it seriously got my attention. The match would be a chain match. That was another thing that stood out. The match was announced as being banned by the local authority. A few years later... I would be the guest of the Mayor of North East Lincolnshire at Grisby Town Hall for the civic dinner. Yes, it did actually occur to me that I should have made the plea to allow chain matches. I didn't. The dinner was uneventful. I liked the salmon. And therefore, not to be sanctioned for the title. I can vividly recall Marty spinning the chain above his head and Chick trying not to get brained by it. A satisfying brawl ensued, but that was, but that was the last I'd see of the world's mid-heavyweight title. My last trip to Cleethorpe's of note would feature yet another title match this time for the British Open Tag Team title, a new title out of the All-Star stable, even if it was a joint promotion. Doc Dean and Robbie Brookside would challenge the Superflies, Ricky Knight and Jimmy Ocean. It was a match that truly reflected the changing face of British wrestling at the time. It was the summer of 1990. Wrestling had been off TV for two years. Here were these two young, hungry teams who could go. The Superflies were hated for using double-team manoeuvres that were well outside the Mount Evans rules. Doc and Robbie were loved because they were just outstanding talents. Within a couple of years, they'd both be in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They were already working the European tournament circuit for Otto Vance. The Memorial Hall was my Memphis Coliseum, Arena Mexico or Curricane Hall. My place to go, see the best in the world. 
Which sounds bizarre, doesn't it? In Cleethorpes. But look at those names I've talked about and the influence that they've had in the industry worldwide. Marty Jones is a revered trainer and name-checked daily by his students and wrestling academics as an influential figure in pro-and-shoot styles. Dave Finley, father of the New Japan regular David Finley, and a long-time producer for the WWE. Robbie Brookside, one of the key trainers at the WWE Performance Center. Ricky Knight, part owner and booker of WAW and Bellatrix, and the father of Paige. This business wouldn't be where it is today without them, and I got to watch them before my very eyes on a Sunday nights. Last bell before 10 past 10, because that's when the last bus went home. Now another company has taken up the mantle, British Wrestling Revolution, and will fill the Memorial Hall on the 5th of May. It features the WWE UK Champion Pete Dunne in the main event, Jimmy Havoc, Lana Austin and Kaylee Ray. This is for anyone's money a pretty huge roster, and they've sold out the Memorial Hall in the process. The Memorial Hall continues to house some of the best talents in the wrestling worldwide, as it should be. 11 year old me can rest easy that the future is in good hands. And that's telling stories for today. My name's James Poopany. Please support us on Patreon where you can keep the Poopany Show channel free forever for everyone. You can find that at Patreon forward slash Poopany Show. You can also find us on Facebook, Facebook forward slash The Troopany Show. You can find us on Twitter, The Troopany Show. You can find me at Sherrod Lone Star. You can find the band that played this very theme tune, Sheriff Lone Star and Deputy of Heartbreak, on Bandcamp, Bandcamp forward slash Sheriff Lone Star. Please go talk to our sponsors, Indie Empire Magazine, they'd love to speak to you, and also powerslam.tv. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.